0: Welcome to Instruction Interruption, a podcast to celebrate New Mexico education in every corner of our beautiful state. I am host Mandy Torres, the 2020 New Mexico Teacher of the Year. Join us as educators talk pedagogy and practice and even share lessons they have learned along their teacher journey. This podcast is sponsored by the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association and is produced in collaboration with the New Mexico Public Education Department. This week, I sit down with New Mexico Lieutenant Governor Howie Morales, one of our state leaders who is well-versed on the ins and outs of a classroom. His professional career started out in teaching, and he spent 15 years in the profession, Ten of those in the classroom with special education, history, biology, and driver's ed. The lieutenant governor also holds a Ph.D. in curriculum and educational management and leadership from New Mexico State University. The son of a miner, I asked him about growing up in Silver City, a place rich with history concerning labor unions and the mining industry.
1: I carry those experiences on my shoulders because I know that there was people who paid that sacrifice to look out for one another. And after all, that's what we're here for, is to make sure we're taking care of each other.
0: He also talks about how he challenged a culturally insensitive logo on a baseball field that shares his name, and he shares a personal story about loss during his teaching career. Many New Mexicans bear the scars of suicide in our state which reportedly has the highest rate in the nation. The Lieutenant Governor talks about the need for teachers, especially during this time, to be aware and help our students and families and each other through any struggles we are having during this pandemic. To call for support and resources from the Crisis and Access Line here in New Mexico, you can call toll-free 24-7, 365 days a year, to 1-855-NM-CRISIS or 1-855-662-7474. You can also use the NM Connect app to call, text, and access mental health resources. For more information, visit www.nmcrisisline.com. And now, we're ready to interrupt your day with one of New Mexico's champions for education. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor for joining us today. We are so happy to have you. Uh, We know we have a friend in education up there in Santa Fe. So we're really happy um, for all the things that you do for teachers and for our students and families.
1: Thank you, Mandy.
0: You mentioned that you grew up in poverty and yet eventually earned a PhD. So you are our true New Mexico success story. What was it like growing up in Silver City, and what was it about your school experience that led you down a path to becoming an educator and a coach?
1: There's so many uh, things that I look back and just so grateful for. Um, Silver City being born and raised and educated here in Grant County has been such a blessing for me. And when I look back at my experiences, every one of those experiences has helped shape who I am. And my story isn't much different than most New Mexicans. Difficult uh, times financially, uh, times where you weren't sure how you were going to succeed academically. But it always came down to the people that were around you people that have cared about you, that have shown compassion, and that have loved you. And, And my story is just the same as each one of ours across the state. But being educated here in Grant County, I was fortunate. I was fortunate that one is I have a large family, and it was great to have that family structure and that support system in a small community. But also within the education system is there was educators who I just remember uh, just went above and beyond and they didn't care what zip code or which portion of the community you came from. They wanted to help you succeed and they were there to participate to be involved and to show the opportunities for student engagement and ultimately that's what drove me into the field of education was the academic pieces for one but also the engagement opportunities, the clubs, the activities, the sports, all of those coming together wanted to make sure that uh, I was a part of the educational process and helping students shape their lives just as my life was shaped by many others.
0: And you went into special education. Where drew you into special education?
1: One is just the, the need that was there, um, looking to see going into education um, where there was a huge need and helping students in the most impactful way Um, was one area. Also though, is when you look and see the people that have been around you um, that were showing strong uh, points of leadership. I can remember Dr. Richard Rodriguez, a university professor who encouraged me to go into special education and shared the reasons why. And I'm so glad that I did that because I think that the way that it's not only shaped my students' lives, but also had an impact on my own life is something that I look back in, regardless what position that I may hold presently or uh, at any time, that work in the special education department really had a huge impact.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just amazing that we still, we're still in the situation where we still need special education teachers so badly. Um, so hopefully more people will hear your story and, and you'll inspire more people to go into that field as well. So I wanted to ask you, there's a 1954 movie about where you grew up called Salt of the Earth. So um, if people don't know, the movie is about women striking in support of minors in that area and really about equality um, for Mexican Americans. How influential was that strike your family as you mentioned that your father was a minor?
1: On many levels and that story is just as true today as it was way back when the movie was was put out and the experiences that were shared by many in our community. Um, my father working in the mines and knowing how impactful that was when we had uh, brothers and sisters of the labor movement, of the unions, there was still workers 890 uh, who would come in whenever there was layoffs that took place or even strikes. I can remember them coming in with boxes of canned goods so that way we can have a Thanksgiving dinner. Those are things that uh, you'll never forget. And when you look and see what the whole story of Salt of the Earth and what that meant, that has had a significant impact on shaping what I do today um, because the story goes that while those miners were out there uh, picketing and fighting for equal rights, safety, and work conditions, um, they thought that they were going to put an end to that by putting these minors in jail and be done with, with the protests. But it was the strength of the women, the strength of them going to the picket line, taking their children there to keep the dream going. And so those kind of things, whenever I stepped into a role as Grant County Clerk or stepped into the role of state senator and even now as lieutenant governor, I carry those experiences on my shoulders because I know that there was people who paid that sacrifice to look out for one another. And after all, that's what we're here for, is to make sure we're taking care of each other.
0: Yeah, It was such an inspiring story. I just love that movie. Like afterwards, you just feel like you want to go out and fight every fight that there is. Yeah, just an amazing story down there. Um, so let's move to out to Cobray. You have a baseball stadium named after you. First, can you give us some background about how that stadium came to be named after you and can you also talk about why you've been so vocal about uh, the chief Wahoo logo that is, that shares the, shares the sign with your name on it?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Mandy. Um, You know, my experiences again, like I said, shaped by the earliest ages of of education was activities and athletics drove my academics. And, um, and that was the reason, as I stated, that I wanted to go into the field of education to help connect life and the academics with the students' interests, in this case being athletics and baseball. Um, having an opportunity to play baseball at the college level and carrying what I learned forward into the high school setting was just a blessing. And what better place than to be a head coach at Cobra High School, um, one of the most um, uh, um, traditioned baseball programs in the state of New Mexico, Um, so many state championships that have been experienced there from the 60s all the way to present day, and I was just blessed to be part of that community. The one thing about it is that I knew going in and running a program wasn't just about what happened on the field. It was about excellence in all levels, making sure that we had a facility that the students and the community could be proud of, ensuring that we had uh, an environment that was gonna be family friendly, And then making sure that we took care of business in the classroom and on the field. And we were able to do that. But when you look back and you see all the people that participated in that, it wasn't because of me. It was because many of the community believed in what we were doing, and they joined in. And so we had volunteers working in the concession stand, working on the field, upgrading the facilities. Those type of things really lent itself to a community of champions and a tradition of champions, and, and very grateful for that. So what we did on the field was one thing, but what we did off the field was something even more special. And at the time when I had got elected state senator, just had had my, my daughter, uh, Elena was born, I knew it was gonna be difficult to continue on the pathway of being a, a high school baseball coach. Um, so I retired. And the year that I retired, the community came together. Um, they did a petition and uh, had the stadium uh, named in my honor. And I was so grateful in addition to uh, the field name, which was named Ruminger Field and still is to this day, uh, was the addition of, of my name on the stadium. As far as the Chief Wahoo logo goes, I think it extends itself to the broader discussion that's taking place across the country, is making sure that we have cultural um, importance and sensitivity to those in all communities. In this case, I didn't realize the impact of Chief Wahoo until I visited with people in the local community who were Native Americans. And they expressed to me what Redskins meant, what Chief Wahoo meant to the Native American community. And I knew that if my name was gonna be part of that, then it would be important to update the logo, to do away with Chief Wahoo. And thanks for the leadership of the Colby School Board. Um, In a three to one vote, they chose not to use Chief Wahoo as their logo uh, within the baseball program. So we're grateful for the leadership that they showed.
0: Yeah. So, uh, did you say your daughter's name is Elena? That is my daughter's name, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, Elena Maria, uh, my daughter's name, named after her, both your her grandmothers.
0: And what position did you play when you played baseball?
1: For the most part, I was a shortstop. I did some pitching, but for the most part, it was shortstop in high school and in college.
0: Okay. Yeah, I played softball. I spent my my summers where like I was always on the softball field. So I was a second base shortstop, and I pitched a little bit, too. So, um
1: but, that's wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have a lot in common. Um, but yeah, thank you for your work on that, Chief Wahoo. You know, it's been such, it's just been in the news all over the country. Um, so I think that's really, I, I really like that you really stood up for that. So that's, that was amazing that they also did the vote on that too, that that came through. So speaking of sports, let's move to the NMAA. You helped them launch its mental health awareness campaign this year. Um, and September, of course, is Suicide Awareness Month. And we have students and teachers and families going through really hard times with the pandemic. Um, you also mentioned that one of your toughest memories as a teacher involved is suicide. Can you talk about that experience?
1: I want to first of all say thank you to um, Sally Marcus with the New Mexico Activities Association. All of them that are working in that organization are doing all they can to keep students engaged one way or another. What we do know is that this pandemic has taken a huge um, impact on the mental, physical, social well-being of students and educators across the state. So we joined in together to have uh, some mental health awareness to let these students know um, that they're not alone and that there's people that they can reach out to. And even though this is something that um, may not take away all the threats that may be out there, it is an outlet. So I want to thank the New Mexico Activities Association for their work and what they're doing. We know that with the rise in suicides I saw today, just a news report that there's 20% rise in suicides that have taken place across the country. That's a concern. And for me, it really hits home because as you shared, one of my experiences, probably the experience that stands out the most as an educator was having to drive a fellow colleague to the place where her son was at. Uh, He had just killed himself. And hearing those cries and hearing the screams on the drive really had an impact on me and I realized at that point that educators are human that educators um, have the needs and the support system that is necessary um, because we want to make sure that we're there for each other and from that moment forward I made the decision that I would always be an advocate advocate for educators on all levels in all cases and that really has helped shape my work within the legislative body Um, it was difficult But at the same time i'm grateful that uh, god put me in a position to um, be there of service for my fellow colleague
0: yeah that must have been really tough um i have a good friend who's um who went through it with her daughter so you know she, she relives that year after year and it just um it's really tough and you know we don't hear a lot about suicides happening in new mexico whether that be because of media or family privacy um but you know new mexico i believe has the highest rate in the nation You know, what can we be doing as a state to help this? And can our schools play a role?
1: Our schools can definitely play a role. And Even just this morning, I was was on my son's uh, webcast, and he's doing hybrid learning right now. And seeing how the teacher was able to connect with each one of the students, that goes a long way. And I would encourage educators um, to continue to make uh, contact with their students, reach out to them, whether it's hybrid, whether it's remote learning, or in person more now than ever, they need that support to make sure that they know that they have people who care. And I think that as schools continue to look for ways to reopen, that we also recognize that while the academic piece, the math, the science, the reading, all those are extremely important, so are the social emotional needs. And to pay attention to that and to ensure that we have every opportunity for the students to engage in helping grow those aspects, I think that that's gonna be so instrumental not only now in a time of COVID, but especially when we come out of this.
0: Yeah, that's it's definitely tough. Um, let's move kind of to p- uh, policy here. Um, how have the teacher in you and you as the lieutenant governor clashed, or, or have they um, in your work that you've done in regard to guidance and, and policy during the pandemic?
1: Every experience that you have uh, is just um, a combination of who you are. And you take that forward so it's one that doesn't change in a different role or different title that you may have and so the experiences as an educator i shared my personal experience of wanting to be an advocate for education and educators um, that hasn't changed that's only even more so um, been apparent in the platforms that i've been able to advocate for educators and for students and for parents and so when you look and see some of the policies that have been in place in the past um, some that were very demeaning towards educators, where they were evaluating them on areas that they weren't even teaching subjects in, where schools were getting grades and many factors that were out of their their control, or when we had um, the focus, the constant focus on standardized testing for a punitive measure. I think that that's where I really made sure that I stood out and I gave the side from an educator's point of view of what this really means. Because education is a lot more than a standardized test. Education is a lot more than just what is measured on the quantitative side. It's those qualitative measures of showing what difference you can make in a student's lives that'll help propel them to learning. I think that that's gonna continue to be a strong uh, area that I'll continue to advocate for, because as I've said so many times in committee hearings, is that for so long we've been chasing the elusive student proficiency or student achievement scores, when in reality we should always have been focused on student engagement opportunities. When you look and see what has made this country so great, it was opportunity, innovation, creativity. And a lot of that has been shrunk down through the focus of trying to focus on on test scores. And so curriculums, electives, dance, music, arts, all those opportunities have been shrunk in many curriculum areas. We have to get back to having a balance to make sure that students can have fire that creative and that uh, part of the brain that can create that innovation that's made the United States who we are.
0: What do you think is the first step that we can do to make that happen? Um, I mean, I know obviously, you know, there has been steps have been made and I do think that educators, uh, you know, do feel a lot more positive about how they're being seen and how they're being respected. And I think that's changing. I think it's gonna take a little bit of time for that to change, um, but I do think it is. So, you know, what do you think is the first step to really transform our education system?
1: Yeah, and you said exactly right, right there, uh, Mandy. I've always said that uh, education doesn't need to be further reformed. It needs to be transformed, and it doesn't need to be further standardized, but rather individualized. And so I thought we made some strong uh, progress there, really showing that the value that we place on educators was apparent and was real, but there's still so much that has to be done. We can talk about funding and adequately funding schools, and that's definitely something that has to be done because you have to give the resources for the educational system to succeed. But there's a lot of other things that we can do to show that we value and that we can give that professional aspect back to the education system. And that starts with respecting the educator. For so many years, I saw decisions being made by people who are at the table who maybe came from other professions, maybe physicians, maybe attorneys, maybe business people. But decisions in education were made in large part without people who had classroom experience who were educators at that table. And so that needs to change. We need to make sure that we have the voice of educators to give the realistic point of view of what's gonna happen when policy takes place. The other portion of it is we wanna make sure that we're doing all we can to provide the system that allows for creativity, for that allows for educators to connect in a way that those students can know that they've been uh, responsive, and that the students can also respond in a way to show excellence. I think that oftentimes we try to get to educational goals, when in reality, we need to be focusing on human potential. And educators know how to meet each individual student in that way. We just have to give them the opportunity to do that, rather than to be structured just by a, court, a common core curriculum, or to be structured by standards that are in place, allow that flexibility to take place for those students to see how they can thrive with an educator who's truly engaged with them.
0: You know, this pandemic has been so detrimental in so many ways, but I think there are some silver linings. And I think one of those is just that it's really gonna give us an opportunity to change the way we do education because it wasn't working for a lot of our students. Um, And we've seen, you know, in some ways, it is work, you know, the online remote learning is really working for some students what do you see as being something that we need to work toward and in, in really in making that transformation and how we deliver education?
1: We really need to make sure that every student has a level playing field and even though we've moved into this remote type of, of world, um, it has shown and highlighted a lot of areas that in the state that we've known that we've had to address for many years but haven't got to that. Now more than ever we need to make sure that there's proper Uh, internet access for every student across the state, from our colonias to our tribal communities and everywhere in between. And that is something that that COVID has shown us that we are lacking greatly in this area. So we want our students to succeed and we want to raise the standard and the bar high, which I believe that students will meet that. We also have to do our part to help them have a level playing field uh, to succeed. And we're not anywhere near close to where we need to be in that, and so I think that some of the silver linings that have shown through this uh, pandemic has been areas that we can continually strive to improve because our students deserve that. The other areas that I think that when we look and see um, how we can have these students succeed is making sure that we can also have um, a pipeline of educators who are in the system, and we know that we have a huge educator shortage. And a lot of those educators left the profession for whatever reason and whatever reason they may have left i asked that they come back because our students need them but we also want our students to see themselves in those educators to see the people that have come from communities just like theirs and know that they can succeed and those educators know exactly what those students are going through i think that's key is having the identity in the educational system is so important and i would advocate that we continue to, to grow the pipeline of educators to deal with the shortage and at the same time to have that identity in the educational system that our students can thrive off of.
0: Yeah, I think particularly, um, you know, what I worry about is our teachers of color. You know, we don't have parity with our teachers of color and and the student population. What do you think is the best way to go about getting more teachers of color to to step into this profession?
1: One is it's been very important that we make sure and we talk about the um, value and the importance of being an educator. I think that it's often thought of that educators are not at the level of profession that others might be. And the reality of it, this is the most important profession that we have on this planet and making sure that people recognize that to know the impact on lives that they can have. The the other part of it is I think that there's great programs out there. I think educators rising is one example of a program that can help really reach out. I know going through school and being a sponsor of many activities, you had Future Farmers of America, you had uh, FCCLA, uh, uh, different type of business groups that are out there, DECA and other groups like that, is to continue to push ways for uh, education to be part of that as well because we definitely need more educators and we want to encourage people how rewarding that this profession truly is.
0: And I want to go back, You, you talked a little bit about teacher voice and, you know, because I, I was lucky enough to be on sabbatical this year, so I spent some time during the le- legislative session and sat in on, you know, sessions that I could. And the one thing that I noticed is that, you know, when people who are testifying or, or standing up on supportive bills, there wasn't a lot of actual classroom teachers there, right? There was a lot of union people and we didn't have the, the teachers there hearing their voice. How do you think we should go about being better at getting our teacher voice out there?
1: You hit the nail on the head and that's something that really stood out to me during my 11 years as a state senator, especially when huge decisions were being made in regard to evaluations and in regard to compensation and other issues. All those committee hearings were taking place during the day. They were taking place when educators were actually inside the classroom teaching our students. So how are you going to truly get a voice of the educator if they're not allowed to be there at the table to be there at the meetings. And so that's where I meant earlier, is that we have to have a seat at the table for educators who not only have been retired, but that are actually in the classroom, because a lot has changed. I I left the classroom in 2005 um, and started moving in the direction of of the um, public office holding, but a lot has changed since then. And I wanna make sure that educators who are in there right now have an opportunity to show how we can improve our education system because the bottom line is that we're all in this for improvement and for our kids, but we have to make sure that we're seeing what the true needs are from those who are in the classroom, who are making the, the decisions, who are seeing the difficulties that are in front of them. We have to learn from them and be willing to respond.
0: That's one of, been one of my things as teacher of the year is I've tried to kind of lift teacher voice and, you know, and really reach out and say, hey, you're being heard you're being seen. So, and I, and I really appreciate what PED is doing. They're doing a lot of steps, like with the Teacher Talk Tuesdays, and um, I really like the outreach that I'm seeing. So I hope more of our con- teachers continue to be engaged because it really is important. You really need to know what's happening in the session and, and what bills are being put forward. I hope that we can just keep moving forward on that. As someone who had significant time in the classroom, you are in a position to affect change that teachers can only dream about. So what keeps you up at night when you think about the state of education in our state right now? I
1: can, I can only make the change that I learned from the educators who are in the system. They're, they're my, um, my go-to people. They're the ones that I listen to uh, when I have questions and when I ask what's working, what's not working. So I, I do appreciate the trust that educators have placed in me in our discussions um, during my time in, in the legislature. Um, when you look and see the potential that we have it's huge. And what impact that we can have uh, together is going to be significant. Now, I've always believed in having a second-to-none attitude. And we've heard for so many years that New Mexico is always at the bottom of the list. Well, we need to change that. We need to make sure that we can recognize that New Mexico can be at the top of any list. But we have to make sure we have the strategies of collaboration, communication, and the willingness to make the changes that are necessary. And I think this is an opportunity that COVID has given us how we can reimagine, how we can deliver, how we can look at education in a different way. And this is an opportunity that we have to show the rest of the country what we can do.
0: All right. That's all the questions I have for you, Lieutenant Governor. Did you want to add anything else, any messages for teachers or educators out there?
1: I'd just like to close in saying that I know educators across the state, parents as well, and students, they they feel uh, very overwhelmed. They feel like they uh, have so much to do and that there's so much that has to be learned, whether it's through technology uh, or living in the world that we're living in right now. My advice to those educators um, who are feeling that they're overwhelmed or feeling that they may may not be making a difference is to recognize that they are making a difference, but above all, to continue to love those students, to show kindness and compassion, to reach out to them and to let them know that someone cares about them. That is gonna make the biggest difference because students are gonna learn as we go forward. They may have a lot of catching up to do, but they're always gonna remember the way that they were, they were made to feel by the people who reached out and showed them that love. There's nothing wrong with that, and I wanna encourage educators to continue doing that on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, what a great message, and that's really important. So thank you for taking the time for us, and good luck moving forward.
1: Thank you, Maddie, for all you do.
0: Thanks again to Lieutenant Governor Morales, Thank you to the NMPED and Namoga for its sponsorship. May your teacher voice be strong and your classroom be filled with silver linings.
1: Thanks for listening.